Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome listeners to the first installment in my Tron Duology movie review series. Today I am reviewing what is now considered the 1982 classic, Tron. Before I get into my review of the film, make sure to check the description below. There are timestamps for you to jump around throughout the review, links to our social pages, our Patreon page as well, where you can get exclusive bonus content. There's also a curated list of podcasts I think you would like to listen to after this one. And of course, no matter where you're at, make sure to leave us five stars and a short written review. That is a great free way to support the podcast. Now, Tron does hold a soft spot for me. I watched this film at a young age, probably around the age of 10 or younger. I don't quite remember when I first saw it, but I do remember getting the 20th anniversary collector's edition DVD set, and I watched this film many times. It really did spark my imagination. It really was an incredible world, even though, you know, computer effects had advanced you know, far beyond Tron at that point, I still found this a really fun adventure. And later on, I'll give a recommendation of something else that I find to be very similar to Tron that also kind of helped spark my imagination when I was at a young age. You'll have to wait for the recommendation section of the podcast. So will the trade would the trailer get me in if this was 1982? I think this trailer is kind of long and kind of weird. The story doesn't look very good, but the visuals look really exciting. I would go see it for that reason alone, especially if I, if I was a kid. I think the beginning of the trailer panders more so towards the adult interest and maybe computers and kind of more cutting edge technology. But then you can also see this kind of spans different ages. And so, yeah, I would go see this. Um, I would probably have my parents go take me to go see this. It's a Disney movie. It's, it's PG. It's, it's really a safe, fun movie for kids to watch. So the trailers are very repetitive. There's four different trailers, but nevertheless, I, I think they're good enough to get me into theaters. Well, listeners, if you have not seen Tron and you don't want the film spoiled for you, go ahead and click pause right now. Go ahead and check it out. It is streaming on Disney+. Plus. The Blu-ray is also readily available or the DVD. So go ahead, pick up Tron, watch it, come back here, and we'll be ready to talk about it. So the first thing that I have to say right off the bat is I did pick up the Blu-ray for this review. I got it on sale for 10 bucks. I upgraded it from my DVD. The Blu-ray looks incredible. I I struggle to see how Tron could look better than this. The skin tones are accurate. They're highly detailed. Everything just looks so rich. And I know some people might be worried that upgrading, you know, the picture quality with these old visual effects might make them look worse. I don't think that's the case. I think Tron looks better than ever, including the digital world as well. One of the things that Tron does in a very fascinating way that I'm sure really gripped audiences back in the early 80s was the opening emphasis on computer programs 
and not on humans. This is surprising for a few different reasons because they are humanizing computer programs and they are getting audiences to think about computers, which there was no such thing as the compersonal computer quite yet. Definitely no such thing as smartphones or any sort of smart objects whatsoever, but orienting audiences towards a digital world that they could interact with someday. And of course, I mean, most people's interactions are now online with social media and we watch movies digitally as well. It's really incredible to see how Tron was ahead of its time and then also watching how they creatively blend real and the digital world, giving audiences of an idea of what's to come. Also, I found it very interesting how they speak with computer programs, with they speak with a master control program in the real world. That's something that would be commercially realized not for another 30 years. Now we have, you know, smart servants in our home. You could call, you, I'm not going to say their names. I don't want to activate them for you. But digital assistants that like Siri and Google and the Amazon products, this is imagining what that could be like. It's really ahead of its time. Um, to see that. And if you approach it from that standpoint and not from a standpoint that it's old, I think you'll have a more appreciation for it. Also, just realizing the groundbreaking visual effects. Still to this day, it's a joy to watch this style. We've never really seen anything quite like it since. And for me, I really enjoy going back to that, really just for nostalgic reasons, but also because it is not just a product of, of its time, but it is a really fascinating digital world um, that is better realized in different movies, like more modern movies. But just to see this rudimentary digital, you know, landscape is really fascinating. Also, I think this movie has a great score and a great sound mix. I'm glad to see that it got nominated for uh, best sound. Unfortunately, it lost. It really does immerse us in the world. But the score, um, the composer did have some of their work cut. It's too bad she didn't get to have all of her um, compositions placed into the film. But nevertheless, the Blu-ray does rectify that issue. The DVD does as well. You can hear her score added into some of the original scenes. I will say the one thing that is kind of weird about this movie is there's an odd mix of comedy with some brutal action. For instance, when Clue is screaming as he is being erased by the Master Control Program, it's a little terrifying, I would say, especially for younger audiences. But it does go to show that computers aren't all fun and games. Computers can be used for far more serious consequences. One of the things that I also realized while watching this movie is it's very much a digital Wizard of Oz. You know, back in the late 30s when Wizard of Oz came out and it opened in black and white and then transitioned to color for the rest of the film, that was a really groundbreaking thing to do at the time. And to me, I'm seeing this as a Wizard of Oz, not just because of the story parallels, how, you know, Dorothy goes into Oz and Flynn goes into the grid, but also because of how for the rest of the film, pretty much it's going to take place in this digital world that audiences really haven't quite seen before. Now, I will say the first disc battle is exciting. I know it's a Frisbee. They did have a Frisbee expert on how to throw the Frisbee. They call it a disc in this and Tron Legacy. What the disc means will be explored even more. 
People would have heard of floppy disks back then, probably, a hard disk, things of that kind. Watching it visualized as a literal disk being thrown is really cool. And to kind of take it back to a primitive thing of almost like the Olympics or the gladiator age is a smart move. Now, the filmmakers do have a scope they can't quite deliver on, but it's still great to see how broad they are trying to make this world. Um, I also was very fascinated. This has a big messianic storyline to it, actually. Apparently, this was Disney's idea to give it these quasi-religious overtones. Nevertheless, it's definitely in there. Um, it, it's kind of weird. It's a bit conflicted. But nevertheless, they are reaching for some transcendental messages here in this movie. One of the things that even as a kid, I never quite appreciated is the second act gets pretty dry. Tron does barely anything except recover Yori and Flynn. He really is just traveling around, trying to get to an IO station where he can communicate with Alan Bradley. That's not terribly exciting. I was disappointed with that as well. The only like real scene in this movie that doesn't work for me is when they're replenishing at the watering hole. It's strange. It doesn't make sense. Um, you can watch this with the director and producer's commentary if you want to learn more about why they made some of these story choices. Um, I also don't like the giant Sark at the end. You know, it's all right. It, it does a great job of showing scale and it does harken back to more so the Sinbad and Jason and the Argonaut kind of days. So for that aspect, I appreciate it. But nevertheless, it just seems a little lazy as far as storytelling goes to make your villain into a giant. Many, many films before and after would do this as well. Also, Yori having a kiss with Tron and Flynn at the end is weird. It's polygamous in a strange way we're not really quite sure who to root for if we want tron to get the girl if we want flynn to get the girl that's a little bit of a strange thing for this movie to be called tron but not necessarily have him be our main protagonist really flynn is the protagonist of this film where tron is kind of his you know right hand man his second helper some would say now tron does get plenty of action he does have enough to do, I guess, in the second and third act, but this story does struggle to pick a main character or even effectively utilize these this trifecta of characters. Tron holds a special place for me. No, not as special as Creature from a Black Lagoon or Journey to the Center of the Earth, but nevertheless, it sparked my imagination when I was young, despite me seeing it at least 20 years after its release. The visuals are noticeably aged, the pacing suffers quite a bit in the second act, and the ending is startlingly abrupt, but it is a wonderfully creative adventure for the whole family. Tron receives 7 stars out of 10, with a solid recommend. So other film and TV recommendations, and I do even have a book recommendation for you listeners for you to check out after Tron. My first recommendation is War Games. It came out the next year. It's a Matthew Broderick film kind of realizing more of the serious ramifications that the Master Control Program does in this movie. It actually has a 7.1. So according to IMDb raters, um, this or IMDb users, I should say, uh, it's considered a better film. I'm also going to be recommending The Last Starfighter, another movie that came after Tron that thought about 
what what could a video game really do? What are those ramifications? It's it's much more lighted, lighthearted, much more of a Star Wars ripoff. I think you'll still like it. Um, another story that I think people will like is more of a Star Wars world, but what if it was mixed with more so Lord of the Rings is Kroll. Um, that's another 80s movie that I think you'll enjoy. I'm also going to be recommending Tom Clancy's Net Force Endgame. That is a young children's novel that I read when I was in the sixth grade that is very, very similar to Tron. So if you've got some young kids that like Tron, hand them Tom Clancy's Netforce Endgame. So despite some popularity among critics and audiences at the time, despite okay box office numbers and getting two Academy Award nominations, as we talked about in Your Guide to Tron, it didn't do well enough at the box office, not enough to warrant a sequel. Plus, at the time, Disney was consistently churning out new IP. So Tron wasn't one they were terribly eager to return to. That is until 23 years later when Disney shocked everyone announcing a Tron sequel on January 12, 2005. Ultimately, Tron Legacy was released in December 2010, but that is a story for next week. So the question after the show, listeners, is Tron a classic or is it just a fun 80s sci-fi flick? Make sure to email me at silverscreenguide95 at gmail.com. I'm curious to know your answers and then I will read them on next week's show. So thank you listeners for joining me. Don't forget to click subscribe if you have not clicked it already. I'm eager to bring you my review of Tron Legacy next week and I'll see you then. Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.